Well, good morning. It is good to be with you today, and uh, we appreciate the opportunity to come here. Whenever I go out on a weekend, I, I usually say, I wish you could meet our students. I wish you could visit our campus, and we were able to bring our campus and our students to you. Uh, would you express your appreciation one more time for them? That just kind of gives you a little taste of what our students are like. And, and then uh, Ben and Morgan and all those others who have been here give, give you a little glimpse of what our alums are like. And we are proud of them. We're proud of the ministries that, that they have. And, and I was in my office and I, I pulled out a yearbook. I, I knew about how old Ben was. So I started thumbing through some yearbooks. And I want to show you what he looked like. When he left us, that's what he looked like. So here's my question for you. What have you done to him? <laughs> now, we're, we're proud of Ben. And uh, I do remember those days when he was a high school student at Rock River Christian Camp. And uh, we were able to relive some of those times last night. And I'll tell you what, time flies by and our lives go by fast. And I would hope that all of us really want our lives to matter and our lives to count. So let me just do a little survey. How many of you really want your life to matter? Can I see your hands? I, I think we all want to know, I'm, I'm here. I, I was created for a purpose, and I'm living out that purpose. And, and sometimes we, we ask questions like, what's going to make me happy? What will give my life meaning? How can I, what can I get that will make my life matter? And, and sometimes we make the mistake of, of asking the wrong questions and beginning in the wrong place because we ask what can make me happy or, or, or what can I get and life isn't about what I can get, life is about what I can give and then a lot of times when we ask those questions it's about me and, and really that's not a good place to begin because it always begins with God. What can I do to make God happy? How can my life count for the honor and glory of God. And that's what we're going to look at today, that we were created for a purpose. And we're, we're going to walk through a couple of verses together and consider three important questions for every believer. The first passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I'm using the New Living Translation. I, I used the NIV, the New International Version, for well over 30 years. And I don't know if this has happened to any of you, but my Bible, I could tell it was getting old because the word started shrinking, and I needed a larger print Bible. And so I thought, I've got a bunch of NIVs. I'm going to try a, a new living, and, and I really appreciate it. So let, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. The Apostle Paul writes, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Before we really get into the meat of that, that verse, whenever you read this means, or maybe in some of your translations, therefore, whenever you're reading the Bible and you read that word or that phrase, you need to stop because those are connecting words. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying, in light of everything that I've written up to this point, here's what I want you to know or here's what I want you to do. Therefore, this means... When, when my boys were growing up, I got three adult kids, and, and thankfully, our daughter took after her mother when it came to her behavior. Unfortunately, the boys took after me. And so they were in trouble 
quite a bit at school. And they'd get in trouble. They'd come home, and we'd have one of those father-son talks, and, and I'm about to lower the boom on them. And, and we review what they did wrong, and then I would say something like, therefore, because of what you just did, therefore, you are grounded until you're 30. You ever had one of those talks? Well, that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. Because of everything that I just wrote, here's what I want to tell you. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. So we're going to look at three questions, and the first question is simply who? Who? And the answer is anyone who belongs to Christ. That verse again, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Life is about belonging to Christ. Life is about being in Christ. That, that's the mo most important thing. If you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, that is the thing that gives our lives purpose and meaning. And belonging to Christ is a position we occupy, but it's also a process that we grow in. I, I think of other titles that I wear, I guess. I, I got married when I was 22. My wife and I will be married 37 years in December. And I wish I could tell you that I was the best husband in the world, but my wife would probably tell you that I've, I have my days. Sometimes I do really good, sometimes I don't. I've got three kids. I, I'm a dad, and I wish I could tell you that I was the, the best dad in the world, but there were days and I probably was gone that I should have been home, and there were times that I overreacted over something small when I shouldn't have overreacted, and, and I, I still have a long way to go in becoming a better dad. I've got four grandkids, three grandsons and a granddaughter, and I want you to know that I'm not trying to brag here, but I may be the best papa in the whole world. In fact, I, I could probably just throw my sermon away and just tell you stories about my grandkids for the next 30 minutes. But I, I'm not going to do that. I, but it's, it's a role I take very serious. There's hardly a day that goes by that I am not looking at how can I love my grandkids more? What can I do for them? How can I be a better papa? I, I remember when my oldest grandson, he's going to be six in December, when I held him for the very first time the day he was born, I remember looking down at this little baby and thinking, oh, little boy, if there's ever anything you need, we're talking money, we're talking kidney, liver, lungs, heart, I would die for you. I, I take that being a papaw very seriously. I want to be the best I can be. And that's really the picture we get of what it means to be in Christ. It's not just something that we do. It's not a, a role that we play. It's not a, a habit. It's not one more thing that we add to who we are. It's who we are. That word anyone refers to any follower of Christ. The Apostle Paul is writing to you and to me. And so for this question, who, let's just shorten a little bit, and the answer will be me. And I want to make sure that you're with me, okay? I want to give you a chance to, to talk a little bit today. So I'm, this is going to be interactive. I'll ask the question, who, and you say, me, okay? Who? Me. Again, who? Me. One more time, who? Me. Okay, we go on to the second question. The second question is, what? What? And the answer is a new person. 
Paul says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. I, I was in located ministry for 34 years before coming to Lincoln, and one of the things I loved the most, it was the highlight, was when I would see someone give their life to Jesus. When, when that light would go on in their eyes and they would understand for the very first time that there is a God who loves them, loved them so much that he gave his son to die on the cross so that they could have eternal life and they didn't have to carry around that guilt. They didn't have to have that heavy burden anymore. They had been set free. It doesn't get any better than that. They're given a new beginning. They're a new person. I hope you have experienced that in your life. And I want you to know that I am so thrilled that you are here at River Glen. This is a great church. Amen? It's a great place. I'm glad you're here. Whether you've been here for a long time or this is your first Sunday, I'm so glad you're here. But can I give you just a word of caution? Sometimes you can come to a place like this, and there are people all over our country who are coming to a place kind of like this, and if we're not careful, we can get comfortable. If, if we're not careful, we can kind of get things turned around, and instead of really focusing on being in Christ, the focus can become being in church, and there's a difference that we are to belong to Christ, that we are to follow Christ, that we are to be love, be, uh, belong to Christ. And we can't just settle for going through the motions and saying all the right things and blending in with everyone else and, and feeling good because maybe compared to a lot of people in the world, we're a little bit better. You see, Jesus didn't die so that we could be a little bit better than other people. Jesus died on the cross so that we could become new people, new creations. You know, there's, there's, uh, it's so easy to, to kind of fall into that country club mentality in many churches where membership has its privileges and the programs are about us. And, and we need to understand that when we follow Jesus, that we are a new person and that we are to go out and we are to live our lives for him. Life is no longer about what I want. It's about how can I bring glory and honor to God the Father? How can I make my life count for eternity? So the question what, the answer is a new person. Let's do that together. What? What? One more time. What? Okay, now we're going to review. We're going to put them both together. I ask who and you say I say what, and you say, okay. That brings us to the third question. That's the question, why? And the why is to do good things. We're going to skip to a, another passage, Ephesians chapter 2. And the apostle Paul writes this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That, that verse really tells us who we are, and it tells us why we're here. I, I love what Paul says here. The, the New International Version says we are God's handiwork. The New Living says that we are God's masterpiece. Let me ask you this. When was the last time someone called you a masterpiece? I've been called a piece of work a few times, but I don't think it was a compliment. 
But Paul says, you're God's handiwork. You're God's masterpiece. And there are so many people in our culture today who are hurting themselves and abusing themselves. And, and I believe one of the reasons is because they don't see themselves as God's handiwork, God's masterpiece. They don't see themselves as a person of value. But that's what Paul says we are. And the second part of the verse says that we have been created. We, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. That means God created us to do something, that we are created to do good things. So let me just pause right here and ask you to kind of hold up a mirror in front of your life and ask a few questions, such as, what am I doing for God? What am I doing that's going to matter a hundred years from now? What am I doing that's going to matter for all of eternity? You know, I'm afraid so many people are just sitting back and watching life go by, or, or, or they're, they're sitting back and they look around and think, man, I'm, I'm bored. There's got to be more. There are men and women here this weekend who have retired or you're getting ready to re retire and probably wonder, what now? Well, God created you for a purpose, and he's got a lot left for you to do. There are young people and young adults who are thinking, I want my life to count. And the good news is, God wants your life to count, and he has some things that he wants you to do. You're a new person. You have a, a purpose. Your life matters. You're significant. And you can make a difference. I, I love reading through the Bible, and, and they're just page after page of stories about just ordinary people that God used to do some extraordinary things. Like Abraham in the Old Testament. When God came to Abraham and he said, I want you to leave your home and go to a place that I'll show you. And through your family will be a blessing for all people. Abraham couldn't have possibly understood what God was asking him to do. But he said, okay. I'm in. I'll do it. God came to Moses and he said, I want you to go to Pharaoh the most powerful man in the world and say, Pharaoh, let my people go. Lead them into the promised land. Moses tried to, to get out of it, but finally he agreed and he said, okay, I'll do it. Esther was told, you've got to go to the king. You've got to go to the king. You've got to talk to him. And she said, I, I can't do that. And she was told, it was for such a time as this that you were born. My friends, I believe that for all of us, there was such a time as this, that there's a reason that you and I exist. There's a reason you and I were created. And when I read those stories in the Old Testament and, and through the New Testament, we need to understand that those stories were not written and put in a book so that we would have something to read today and study and have lessons and sermons on. It's just an example that God has always expected his people to do something. We were created for a purpose. Following God calls for service. So why, why am I here? Well, the answer is to do good things. So I'll ask why and you say to do good things. Why? Why? 
One more time. Why? Now, here's where it gets difficult because we're going to start from the top. Okay? Let's try it. Who? What? A new person. Why? Aren't you glad we only have three points, not four? You know, as followers of Jesus, we're to give our, our, our lives. We, we, there, there are sermons that talk about our, our time, our treasure, our talents. We're, we're to give everything. Everything we are belongs to God. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we can get our hand, head and our hands around that, that whatever we do, everything is for him, it makes all the difference in the world. I have the opportunity to be at a different church almost every weekend, and I've discovered there's a, a lot of ways that you can do church. I'll, I'll be in a church one weekend that might have 25 people, and I'll be in a church the next week that might have 1,500. I'll, I'll be in a church one weekend that'll be like this, and there'll be drums and guitars and basses and keyboards. I'll be in a church the next weekend that if there were drums, there would be heart attacks. There's a lot of ways to do church, and no two churches are identical. But here's what I found as I go out. Almost every church has one thing in common. They're almost begging people to step up and do something. I read announcements stating that churches in need of early childhood workers or greeters or small group leaders or volunteers to prepare communion or a, a long list of things to do. Please know that if you belong to Christ, you're a new person. You're a new creation. And as a new creation, you have been gifted to do something. You are here to do something. So real meaning in life comes from asking, what can I give instead of what can I get? And real fulfillment in life comes from asking, how can I help instead of what can you do for me? We are here for a purpose. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. If we follow Jesus, shouldn't that same thing be said of our lives? Shouldn't we say, I haven't come to be served, I've come to serve. I've come to make a difference. You know, I, I look around the room and, and I don't know you. But here's what I know. God wants every person in this room to do something. And for most of you, you have an opportunity to do something right here in this church, through this church, in the surrounding communities, to use the gifts and the abilities and the experiences you have to make a difference here where you live. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to do that. Don't just come and know when to stand and when to sit and go home. Look for ways that you can serve. But in this room with as many people that will be here this weekend, I believe that there are probably some other people that God has gifted and maybe God is calling to go beyond this place. Maybe God has gifted you, and, and you know in your heart, man, I, 
I ought to be preaching. I ought to be a worship pastor. I ought to be a youth pastor. I ought to be a missionary. I ought to go help plant a church somewhere else. And that there's something holding you back. I want to encourage you to say yes to whatever God is asking you to do. When I was 17, I, I went to Lincoln Christian University. It was Lincoln Christian College back then. I did not want to be a minister. I wanted to be an attorney. I liked to argue, so I thought, why not get paid to argue? I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to live in a big house. I wanted to live in a nice car. That was my plan. But I, I went back my sophomore year, and I wasn't looking for it, but I was able to become the youth minister, weekend youth minister at a church in Plano, Illinois. And I, I started in February, and in about April, I think it was, I was 19 years old. A 17-year-old girl named Jamie in my youth group asked me if I would baptize her. I'd never baptized anyone before, so I said, sure, I would love to do that. So on this Sunday morning, we got in the baptistry, and, and back then, almost everyone getting baptized had a white robe that they would wear. And, and I, I had Jamie, I, I took her confession of faith, I take her under the water, I'm getting ready to bring her up, and I noticed that, I guess there was an air pocket when she stepped in, and her robe had floated to the top, and it was dry. And, and in the split second, I'm thinking, uh-oh, if I bring her up and she looks dry, people will think I didn't get her all the way under. And if people don't think I got her all the way under, they'll think I'm a bad baptizer. And I don't want people to think I'm a bad baptizer. I want people to think I'm a good baptizer. So I did the only thing that made sense. I took her down a little farther. And I knew that I had her far enough when I heard a, and her head hit the bottom of the tank. And I brought her up out of the water and I looked at her in those eyes. The pupils dilated a little bit. She may have had a slight concussion, I'm not sure. But here's what I saw. I looked at her and I thought, God, there is no court case to be argued. There is no amount of money. There is no house. There is no car that can compare to what you just allowed me to be a part of. I'm so thankful that God has allowed me, as broken and imperfect as I am, to do something for him. And if God can use me, I guarantee he can use you. You know, sometimes we throw up excuses and we say, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, there's nothing I can really do, I have nothing to offer. We need to, to get rid of all those arguments and excuses. I want to begin wrapping up by sharing probably my favorite story. It's a true story. It's about a guy named Milton Cunningham who was a missionary, and he was flying from Atlanta to Dallas one day, and he said he got on the plane, and, and there were three seats on one side of the aisle and three seats on the other, and he sat in the middle seat, and there was no one on the aisle seat, and there's a little girl by the window. And he wasn't really paying attention to who the little girl was until he felt a tap on his knee, and he looked over and he saw it was a little girl with Down syndrome. And she said, Mr., did you brush your teeth today? And he looked at her and smiled and said, well, yes, honey, I did brush my teeth today. And she said, good, you ought to brush your teeth every day. He said, a little while, there's a, another tap. 
Mister, do you smoke? And he said, no, honey, I don't smoke. And she said, well, good, because smoking will make you dead. And a little later, tapped on his knee and, mister, do you love Jesus? He said, oh, honey, I love Jesus with all my heart. And she said, good, everybody ought to love Jesus. He said, right before the door closed, one last passenger got on, and he sat in that aisle seat right beside Milton Cunningham. And if you've ever done any flying, you know the international sign for leave me alone. As you sit down, you put a magazine up. That's what this guy did. They get up in the air, and Milton Cunningham said, felt a tap on his knee, and he looked over, and the little girl said, ask him if he brushed his teeth today. <laughs> he said, oh, honey, I, I don't think we ought to ask him that asking. So he tapped the man. He said, uh, sorry, but my little friend here wants to know, did you brush your teeth today? And the man looked over and he saw the little girl and he smiled and he said, well, yes, I did. And she said, good, you ought to brush your teeth every day. He said a little later, tap on the knee, ask him if he smokes. He said, oh, honey, it's a non-smoking flight. It doesn't really matter if he smokes. He can't smoke on the airplane. Let's not ask him that. Ask him. He said, uh, sir, my little friend here has another question. She wants to know, do you smoke? No, I don't. The little girl said, good, smoking will make you dead. At that point, Milton Cunningham, the missionary, began to pray. He prayed, dear God, no, please, no, no, no. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. Ask him if he loves Jesus. He said, oh, honey, that's a really personal question. I, I don't think we should ask him that. Ask him. He said, sir, my little friend here has one more question. I'm pretty sure this is the last one. But she wants me to ask you, do you love Jesus? And the man's smile disappeared. And he said, no, I don't. And then he added, it's not because I don't want to. I just don't know how. So from Atlanta to Dallas, Milton Cunningham, the missionary, was able to tell this man that there is a God who loved him so much that he sent his son to die for him and how he can respond to him and how God wants to spend him to spend eternity in heaven. Because a little girl with Down syndrome asked a question. My friends, God can use you. He can use me. He can use all of us. And we are created for a purpose. And real life is found when we live out that purpose. Jesus wants you to know that he loves you. Jesus wants you to love him back. Jesus wants us to serve him. And Jesus wants us to remember him. We have an opportunity to do that every week when we gather for communion. We, we take that piece of bread and it reminds us of the body that Jesus gave up for us on the cross and we drink of the cup and it reminds us of the, the blood that he shed so our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be new people. So today we're going to take communion together, and there will be two cups, one with the bread, one with the juice. 
I would ask that you take this to remember what Jesus has done for you, but could I ask you that, that as we do that, that we make this a time to recommit ourselves to loving Jesus, to living for Jesus, and to serving him with our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray today that you would help us to respond to the love that you just pour out on us every day. God, I pray that what we do would never be out of habit. It would never be just a, a thing that we do, kind of like going to a, a club. But God, I pray that, that who we are would be with us every day, that we would commit our lives to loving you and living for you. God, help us to honor you and glorify you in everything that we do and everything that we say. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.